0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. It's another college hockey centric podcast as we get you set for Union's Road Weekend at Quinnipiac and Princeton. The Dutchman head to ECAC Hockey leading Quinnipiac on Friday, and then they'll take on the Princeton Tigers Saturday at Hobie Baker Rink. It's going to be an interesting game uh, Friday night, uh, the last time Union and Quinnipiac faced off against each other. It was a one-sided contest uh, back in December at Mesa Rink. The final score said 4-0 Quinnipiac, but Trust me, it was a lot worse than that. It could have been a lot worse than that as well. Uh, it took took some time for Quinnipiac to get going as far as getting goals, but once uh, the Bobcats did, uh, the Union never had a chance in that game. And if you recall in that, that game, Union did not hit double-digit shots on goal until late in the third period. So that was just a, I mean, was a tough effort. And they, uh, coming, the Union's coming off a bad effort Tuesday night, same kind of effort. That they had against Quinnipiac, they had against uh, Long Island University for two periods, and uh, they lost that game four to one. Certainly, certainly a little bit of a consternation, especially coming off the uh, Mayor's Cup victory last Saturday. Union just was flat from the get-go against LIU and never really recovered. And that was sort of the same way uh, the game against Quinnipiac. Union was coming off a big victory the night before, uh one nothing overtime victory over Princeton, but just never seemed to have any legs. And uh, Quinnipiac chased uh, Connor Murphy, and Connor Murphy really deserved a better fate in that game. He was about the only Dutchman who played well. In fact, he was the only Dutchman that played well in that game. So, um uh, John Ronan, the interim head coach of the Dutchman, offers some thoughts about uh, Quinnipiac and uh, you know, what the Dutchmen have to do in order to avoid a repeat. Well, their their depth is is pretty good. You know, they're one of the better teams we've seen all year. I think we have to be our, our compete has to be high, and we have to be detailed. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. We have to be a difficult team to play against. Take care of our own zone. Take care of our blue lines. Play north and hopefully start, you know, getting our nose over some pucks in the offensive zone and making it hard on them. And how important will it be to you know, not have a start like you did against L.I.U.? No, and, and you know, last night was a strange game. You know, I, I think the first period wasn't as bad as it felt. After watching on video, I think the second period was worse than <laughs> we thought, and in my opinion, I thought the third period for us was better than we thought. So, I think it's you know, I think we learned a good lesson last night, and, and you know, our guys realized that can't take a shift off let alone a period so hopefully they bring the same intensity and urgency that we finished the game with to Friday night first period. Dutchman forward Colin Graff and defenseman Dylan Anhorn also discussed what will it take for Union to play better against Quinnipiac.
1: You know just keep it simple I think that especially when playing the first time we didn't really get many shots on net or get many scoring chances so you know just trying to shoot the
2: puck and make plays and if we get a power play. Try to bury on that too. I mean, you never know with the game of hockey, and uh, we got belief in our dressing room. I I think we're going to bounce back from last night. Everyone's a little bit disappointed, so uh, I think you'd expect a pretty competitive game.
0: If there's one part of uh, the Union's game that has been consistent of late, it's been its power play. The Dutchmen have scored at least one power play goal in six straight games, and they are 8 for 22 during that stretch, a 36.3%. Uh, success rate that's been pretty good they're right now the number two team in the ECAC hockey in power play percentage at 21.1 percent they had been leading going into Tuesday's game against LIU but uh, Harvard uh, went three for seven Tuesday night against Boston College in its 6-3 victory and their Harvard is at 21.2 percent the Dutchman uh, talked about what's been making their power play successively
1: uh yeah, you know, we made a couple of changes and you know, it's just all about
2: getting the pucks to the net and letting Liam go to work and tip those in front of the net and resulting a lot of goals, so that's good. Yeah, I agree with him. I, I think we tried to we changed a few things in terms of personnel, changed a few things in terms of mentality and I think we've just been moving the puck really well. Uh we've both units of guys placed in positions for success and uh we we've come hungry for pucks and uh uh, crisp with their execution thus far so hopefully we can keep it going
0: I mean how important is that as you now you play the rest of the uh, last eight games of the season uh in league play so I mean how important is that to keep that going
2: yeah I mean we, we struggled to score of five and five for sure so power plays is, is going to be huge for us to to get a leg up when, when we need to but uh yeah I mean obviously it's going to be super important
0: Meanwhile, the Union women's hockey team begins its uh, final month of the season. Uh, They'll have three games in the five days starting Friday when the Dutch women host Brown at 6 o'clock. And then they'll have a home-and-home series with Yale beginning at Saturday at 3 at Mesa. And then they make up a game that was postponed earlier. They'll make that up on Tuesday at 7 o'clock at Ingalls Rink in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, At Wednesday's media availability were uh, head coach Josh Skiba and defenseman Meredith Killian.
3: Um, yeah, you know, I think I think it's been nice that we had a full week of of practice here, though. Too, you know, I think we we had quite a few games here over the last couple weeks, just um, with that Tuesday midweek game against Brown um, and a lot of travel and stuff too. But um, I think it's gonna be great for our girls. I think they're they're looking forward to playing. I think you know we we want to play better against Brown this time around and better than what we did on the Tuesday game there. And uh, you know, again, like we've told our girls, the objective is to play games, right? So um, we wanna play games. We didn't get a chance to play last year. So three games in five days for us is exciting. Meredith?
2: Yeah, I think everyone's just excited to compete and have the opportunity to play games and get out there and um, get back against Brown especially and um, put some good effort forward and yeah.
0: What do you have to do this time against Brown uh, that you did not do down there?
2: Uh, I think we need to just come in more prepared with the mindset to move our feet, put our best effort out there, and capitalize and execute. I think we lacked a little bit of execution in that game. And um, so if we can just put some away, I think that'll help a lot.
0: What are you guys looking for, for I mean, as far as final these final few games here? What, what are you looking for as you head down the uh, stretch here?
3: Um, I think just continuing to establish the identity of how we want to play. You know, I think um, for us, I mean, you know, it's not something we're not even necessarily talking about postseason play. It's more about establishing our identity, continuing to mature as a team, I think, in terms of how we prepare, how we execute, um, how we work, you know, every day. And I think I think that's the biggest focus for us. I think all year when we have, you know, probably 70 percent of your roster that this is their first season of play i uh, just trying to establish how we want to play for the future and I think it's more about a long-term big picture project for us.
2: Yeah, I agree with that and I think also just having the mindset of coming in and practicing the way you're going to play in a game has been something that we've been talking about and putting in what you're going to get out in the game and if you're going to compete in practice then that will transfer into the next game.
0: Coming up, I'll speak with former Union defenseman Matt Bodie, the captain of the 24 National Championship team. I'll get his thoughts on the resignation of Rick Bennett. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
3: What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late inning rally? A game winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late night bus ride home after a hard fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, Imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
1: Hey, this is Jake LaHutt, local reporter for Business Insider, and I'm a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott.
0: My guest is one of the greatest defensemen to ever play for the Union College men's hockey team. He is the program's all-time leading scorer for defensemen, and he helped lead the Dutchman to the 2014 NCAA title. He is currently playing for Ingolstadt in the Deutsche Eishockey Liga. Please welcome Matt Bodie. Matt, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast. And uh, Actually, this is my second foreign call. as I talked with uh, former Union pitcher Jake Fisher back in the uh, summer games when he was in Tokyo. So this is kind of, kind of fun to, get to do some international interviews.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it,
0: Man, I mean, first of all, how are things going in Germany?
1: Things are going well. Uh, you know, team's team's doing good over here. Family's enjoying it. Uh, actually, getting to play with Wayne Simpson and other uh, Union alums, so it's uh, it's been a good fit. Yeah. Well,
0: I, obviously, you've been following the uh, coverage. I mean, we've been chatting back and forth uh, since uh, the announcement about Rick Bennett uh, stepping down as the Union hockey coach on Friday. Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard he was? Put on administrative leave, and then when he stepped down,
1: you know, it was was pretty much uh, just shock, Uh, shock when I heard that he was put on uh, the leave there, and then you know, disappointment and sadness when uh, I heard he had resigned. Um, You know, I've sent a coach a couple text messages back and forth, just saying, uh, you know, I support him, and it's just uh, it's kind of an unfortunate uh, series of events for the program itself as well. You know, you, were,
0: you, you played for him uh, you know, as an assistant and then uh, and then as a head, he was a head coach. What was he like in practices? What was he like during the games? And was there a difference between him being the associate head coach when you first started playing there and then when he was the head coach? Uh, yeah, I think uh, any coach
1: you have that transitions from an assistant to a head is going to have a little bit of a different demeanor just in terms of, uh, you know, the assistants are kind of uh, – Maybe a little bit closer with the players in terms of talking things through on, on practice sheets or, or something like that. Uh, but you know, I always thought his practices were were fair. If they were, you know, we we had a great kind of practice schedule throughout my four years there, just uh, leading up from the Monday practices all the way through until uh, game started off on Friday. Uh, but they were hard. You know, guys worked hard, and sometimes they were a little bit a little bit longer. But that's kind of what we knew we had to do to be successful to win was he demanding i mean i think all coaches are demanding in a certain sense but uh nothing was uh nothing was over the top in practice you know we we would do some skating drills but all teams were doing that we would do battle drills again all teams were doing that but you know i, I remember talking to guys once i had left school again of uh guys that I played at other schools, and they said, you know, you guys were a really tough team to play against. You guys just kept coming, and there was always physical games. so, you know, we were ready to go, and obviously it was because of our practice habits. Yeah, I mean, I, I,
0: he always used the phrase, using the shoulder pads. Was that something he talked about to, to you guys in the locker room, about using the shoulder pads and uh, being physical?
1: Uh. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I don't recall hearing use of shoulder pads all the time, um, but we we definitely preached uh, being a physical hockey team. Uh, and, you know, I guess one of the other things I can remember from, from practice is you got guys trying to make the lineup for the weekend, so a lot of times our practices could be more intense than the game would be the the, uh, the following Friday. So it, they, they were physical practices, and... Uh, but you know we had fun out there too. Yeah, I mean winning,
0: winning always helps. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely. Uh, you you were the captain uh, for for two seasons there. What was the relationship like between you and and Rick uh, and the locker room? Because obviously you you had if there's situations you had to talk to him about stuff, and he would have to talk to you. So what was that dynamic like?
1: Yeah, we had a great relationship. Uh, you know, we we would talk things through in terms of uh, what what we need to do on the power play or the penalty kill uh, leading up to any specific opponent. Uh, obviously, uh, being one of the leaders, you, you, you talk about some of the off ice stuff with the coaching staff a little bit more as well. Um, but you know, we didn't we didn't see eye to eye every time, but we we always respected each other's thoughts and opinions, and uh, we were able to have quite a bit of success. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly disappointing to see him uh, no longer as the coach there.
0: Yeah, have you? T- I mean, I, I, I assume you've talked to a lot of uh, your fellow alums, former teammates. What has? I mean, I, and I've talked to some uh, former players as well, and I know uh, the guys I've talked to, they're not happy with the situation. Uh, some of the guys you've talked to, what have they told you?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's disappointed. Um, you know, we all had a, a great respect for Coach. Uh, And again, you know, like you're having thirty guys, or a little bit over, a little bit under, give or take, each year playing for a coaching staff, and I think it's pretty unreasonable to expect every single guy to to think everything is perfect. But uh, from the guys that I've talked to, it's uh, it's kind of shock and disbelief, and uh, you know, we wish him the best, and that's. you know, it's just it's just tough to see for everyone involved.
0: Yeah. Um, what about supporting? I mean, are the guys still going to support the program? You, th- you think, even though, you know, Rick's no longer there.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, like you said, I know some alumni aren't uh, aren't exactly thrilled with the situation, but uh, you know, I know Coach Coach Ronan as well, and I reached out to him and let him know, you know. We're still behind you as well. Um, I respect him as a man and as a coach, and I think he's going to do a great job here down the stretch. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you support the program, but you're also supporting the individuals that uh, were great for you. So, you know, I, I really hope uh, Coach Bennett can, can land somewhere if that's what he wants to do and have success in his uh, new endeavors.
0: You mentioned uh, John Ronan. Uh, he was named the interim head coach. Uh on Friday. Uh, he was the volunteer assistant when you guys won the national championship. Uh, what do you remember about him during that season?
1: You know, he was a big uh, players coach at that point. Uh, being the volunteer assistant, you're not uh, you're not going to be the one coming down on the players, uh, per se. But, uh, you know, I thought he did a great job. He kept things light in the, the room. and I, I remember everyone having fun whenever he was around. So, I think he's going to do a great job. And wish him the best as well.
0: Do you think if, the you know, right now as we talk, Union's 3-1, and they have a game Tuesday night uh, against LIU. I mean, if he keeps his team he gets, he gets a winning record heading into the ECH Tournament and then maybe home ice, do you think he should definitely get the, the job permanently?
1: Um, you know, he's definitely putting himself in that conversation. Uh, I, I think when Something unexpected like this happens. The, the administration and uh, the athletic director are going to take a look at all avenues explored to them, but uh, when you see a guy come into a tough spot like this and then have success, I think that certainly warrants a uh, a strong uh, possibility that he, he keeps the job uh, on a full time basis
0: yeah, and the timing of this whole situation is kind of tough because obviously a union will now be able to uh... Offer athletic scholarships. So, how does that you think change the game? And as far as you know, being able to give scholarships, but now you have a situation where you have a uh, you don't know who the head coach is going to be.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not what they they wanted to have uh, started, I guess with the scholarships, not having a, a full time coach in place. But uh, you know, I think that's going to be a good move for the program, uh, especially with the uh, the changing rules. And uh, I think uh, it'll
0: help you in the long run. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the transfer rules and all that stuff. I mean, you just when you played, there wasn't that scholarship. I mean, I don't think the scholarship was an issue. But you guys were able to win. You're looking back on that now, winning without those scholarships. Does that really amaze you? What you guys did?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of a nice thing to look in hindsight, but uh, we never really kind of thought of it like that. Uh, You know, we had guys that had uh, offers to go elsewhere and chose to play at Union, and I think it was part of the the culture that the coaching staff had built between, uh, you know, Nate Lehman and Rick Bennett in in those kind of years leading up towards the championship. But, uh, you know, it's cool that uh, I guess now there's no teams that aren't offering scholarships, so. May be, have been the only one to ever do that so it's, it's a pretty cool feat. yeah
0: I know the ivy leagues don't offer they have the ability to but they they don't they choose not to but uh i mean the, the, obviously the reputation of the ivy leagues it's, it's easier to probably get some players there so um what is this program you think once they get a new once they hire a permanent head coach what do you think they have to do to get back to the level of success that you guys enjoyed
1: um, you know, obviously, they're going to have to kind of reestablish their identity uh, under a new coach, and uh, you, you got to get the right players—players players that are going to buy in. Uh, I think that's something that throughout my four years, it was—it was kind of incredible to, to see the buy-in. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's the players on the ice that are, are going to be winning and losing the games. The coaching staff can put them in uh, positions to succeed, but it's going to be up to those players to to win the game at night. So I think that's uh, a big thing is going to be a good head coach and then uh, some good recruiters as well.
0: I won't ask you if you're interested in being a head coach, but is coaching something you would be interested in down the road once your playing career is over?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, as, I, as I'm getting older here, you, you kind of start seeing the game and, uh, almost through a different lens, uh, playing with some of your guys that are, 10, 12 years, you're junior, so uh, I, I definitely think that's something I'd be interested in down the stretch, but uh, not not quite just yet.
0: Well, how come you didn't get selected for the Canadian National uh, Olympic team like uh, your teammate Daniel Carr did?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, Carr's he's uh, earned quite a, quite a resume and quite a role for himself yeah. there, so uh, certainly going to be watching that, uh, and uh, wishing Canada the best of luck going there. Uh, it would have been nice to play, but uh, things just didn't fall in my favor.
0: Yeah. Well, Matt, appreciate a few minutes talking. Uh, good catching up with you, and, and uh, hopefully we'll run into each other maybe somewhere down the road, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll sit and talk a little more.
1: Awesome, Ken. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's, thank you,
0: Matt. That's Matt Boney. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment.
3: I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division and school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us. Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York state public high school athletic association and the New York state athletic administrators association.
2: Hi, this is Pete
0: Incavillia, manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats and former Major Leaguer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette, Associate Sports Editor, and Upstate New York's biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan, Ken Shot. There was some big news that came out Wednesday evening involving Cornell head coach Mike Schaefer. Uh, Schaefer has been out of action since January 8th while battling COVID-19, and he just announced that he had a stent put in. Uh, Here's the uh, full statement from uh, Mike Schaefer that was issued Wednesday night from uh, Cornell Athletics. Over the past several weeks, with the help of my doctors, I've battled through some medical issues that have kept me off the bench. After recovering from a tough bout with COVID-19, my doctors then discovered that I needed a cardiac stent that was successfully placed. I really appreciate the outpouring of support and the expressions of deep care and concern as I recover. I'm appreciative of the skilled medical personnel that helped diagnose and treat me, as well as the Cornell coaches and student athletes who have continued to stay focused and improve as I do the same. I'm looking forward to being back in front of the line of faithful in a few weeks. And we uh, give our definitely our best wishes to uh, Mike Schaefer and uh, his full recovery. Uh, he probably won't be behind the bench when uh, Cornell comes to Union next weekend uh, so, but uh, like I said we all wish uh, Mike Schaefer the best been a long uh, standing member of Cornell Hockey both as a player and as a head coach and really helped uh, turn that program around in the uh, mid 90s when they were uh, struggling a little bit so our best to coach Mike Schaefer taking a look around EC's hockey some of the games coming up uh, this weekend um, you know, highlighted by of course Union Quinnipiac uh, Cornell and Colgate will have their home and home series coming up uh Friday's game will be at Colgate and Saturday at Cornell. Uh, St. Lawrence will visit Yale. Clarkson is at Brown. And how about Brown Tuesday upsetting Cornell on Tuesday afternoon? So that was a big win for uh, the Bears. RPI will visit Princeton. And Dartmouth and Harvard meet for the second time this season. Uh, Heading over to Saturday, uh, St. Lawrence will be at Brown. As I mentioned, Colgate at Cornell. Dartmouth will have a non-conference game against UMass Lowell. i will be at Lowell. Uh, Clarkson goes to Yale, and uh, RPI will visit Quinnipiac. Monday night will be the uh, first round of the Beanpot. Uh, that tournament's back in action after being away last year because of the uh, pandemic. Harvard will take on Boston University at 5 o'clock at TD Garden in uh, Boston. So I'm uh, glad to see the Beanpot back. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully get a chance to watch those uh, two games on Monday. Well, you can participate in the ECAC Hockey Face-Off selections. I post my picks every Wednesday, although this week I posted them a day later, Thursday. I apologize. I had other things going on and just dinner got around to it. <laughs> Happens to life sometimes, right? Uh, you can participate by emailing your picks to shot at dailygazette.com. That's S-C-H-O-T-T, of course. Uh, even though there's, uh, you know, for, for heading into the home stretch here, you can still have some fun and play. If you have questions or comments about the podcast or you have a college hockey question that you would like answered, you can email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. And that will do it for this uh, college hockey edition of the podcast. I would like to thank Matt Bodie for coming on the show.